For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. edition the one you have waited so long for this is the part where I apologize for not doing more of these but it's just part of life y'all it's just part of life sometimes it's just gonna get to a point where your news days are so big that I've got to do it and you're thinking well Andrew why did you wait until the time when you were actually doing radio for four hours in the morning, why did you wait and start a podcast then? Well, I got a lot to say, okay? And we're going to say them. We're going to say those things today. Those, the, the, the stuff and the things, we're going to say them. I'm trying to get some guests lined up to come on this episode of the podcast. Don't know how that'll work out, but we'll see. Now, if you are listening to this at any point... When this happened live, which will be June the 1st, 2020, then you will uh, you will know that I am on Talk 99.5 all week from the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th to the 5th, which is Friday, Monday through Friday, 1st through the 5th, with Andrea Lindenberg filling in on Matt and Ani on that morning show. Uh, actually, we if everything goes as planned, I will be doing the show from this seat. I will be doing the show tomorrow and the rest of the week right here at the crib in the Over the Line studio. So that will be very exciting, and I know uh, you guys will listen in. I hope you do. Anyway, if you don't, whatever. You're probably uh, uh you're probably ugly. Anyway, if you don't listen. 
Okay, so here's the thing. With this podcast, it's going to be a little different because, believe it or not, I'm a very organized person when it comes to doing this show. Whether it's doing it on terrestrial radio or doing this podcast, I really have my ducks in a row. And it's in the form of stories that, you know, oh, they all kind of bleed into each other. And it's it's structured in a in a in a way that makes it not only easy for me, but I feel like it comes off as sounding good. It sounds genuine. And it just works. It flows. Today is not going to be one of those podcasts because I've done no preparation whatsoever. All I've got right now is a, a TV in front of me, a laptop with no stories pulled up a webcam, and my soundboard and these microphones. We're going to be doing it raw today. We're just going to get raw feelings out there. And that's probably ultimately going to be a bad thing, but whatever. Who cares? The thing that really spurred the motivation to make this happen tonight was what we all witnessed, those of us in this area, what we witnessed in our city of Birmingham, Alabama. Where... The images that we had seen so many times in the past when an African-American man or woman is killed, usually by police, we see riots in the city that it happened, as well as other cities across the country. Bigger cities, but never really in the South, never really in Birmingham. You see it in Atlanta, but Atlanta's a little different. They're not really part of the South. But last night, Birmingham really got their first taste of, of this, uh, almost a phenomenon. This, this, this form of new age protest, if you will. Birmingham knows protest more than most other cities across this country just based on its very history. Based on the history of, of the civil rights movement in this city... We know a lot about it, and, and we've got a lot of documentation of it. Anytime you go downtown, you're going to run into some sort of memorial, monument, or something commemorating the civil rights movement here in the South. So much of it happened right there in downtown Birmingham. In that same place, in those same areas, is where the protest last night devolved into riots and looting. Again, riots and looting that we've seen for a week now all across the country. What it says to the American people that don't live in these giant metropolitan cities, what I feel like it says to those people is that nobody is really immune. Now, if you live off the beaten path or you live out in the country or you live in a suburb that's not really close to the interstate or or any major malls or anything that's that's one thing you're probably safe but the real message is it's expanding the these type of protests turn riots are expanding into other places and we don't really know what to expect next, if we're being honest. We don't know where they're going to go. We've got a guy here in Birmingham. His uh, his name is Carlos uh, uh, Chavez, or Chavarez, however you pronounce his name. I've, I've actually followed him 
for a couple years now because he made a name for himself, which a lot of people call him Carlos Anger. He made a name for himself when there was an incident at the River Chase Galleria in Hoover, Alabama, where it was Black Friday, and I think it was Black Friday 2018, where was it was it that long ago or was it last year? I can't even remember. Um where gunfire broke out during this Black Friday shopping deal at the mall and a man was shot and killed, a man by the name of EJ Bradford. Well, that started protest, protest that never turned into rioting or looting, but very hostile protest against police and against the city of Hoover. And this guy kind of, he he led the charge, I guess you could say, on that. And that's how he made a name for himself. He is out here doing that again and trying to hijack, hijack the protests that are happening here in Birmingham. Now, ironically, he's not even in the state, he's not even in this part of the country He's in Minneapolis where he's being, uh, he's taking part in those protests. By the way, you watch his videos. First of all, it's completely vulgar, but it's also hard to follow because the guy can't string a sentence together. He, he struggles to um, uh, put together a sentence that doesn't have a, an F, B, or N word in it. He is trying to lead the, 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 or hijack the protest here in Birmingham from his perch, wherever he may be. But he's, he's taking a, a different route in saying, hey, here's what we want to do. Instead of trashing Birmingham, he's like, we can trash Birmingham, but we need to make sure it's only white-owned businesses. But I want you guys to start spreading out to the suburbs. The, the, to the towns and the cities outside of Birmingham. And it's mostly, you know, his, his MO is let's target white people, let's target white neighborhoods, which that's, you know, that's, <laughs> you figured that would be the case, I mean, with a guy like this. And so it's got a lot of people uneasy. And, and anybody that knows, if you're listening outside of the state of Alabama, you know people in Alabama, we, we like the Second Amendment, we like our guns, most people are... Uh, are and have been ready to protect their family and their home for a while now. Whether that's because of a terrorism attack or the the person they don't like becomes president and it makes them nervous. People every year or every couple of years stock up on guns and ammo around here. So everybody's, everybody's good. You just hate for something bad to happen when uh, this, this pack of jabronis led by Carlos Anger shows up in the the wrong uh, suburb of Birmingham and ends up getting blasted at the first house or the first business they go to. Because that'll be the end of it. That's one thing you have not seen really uh, prominently at these protests, whether it's with the Antifa types or the, the protesters turned rioters. You haven't seen a lot of gunfire. They're hiding bricks. They're hiding Molotov cocktails in bushes. There's even some cases of People with explosives in their car, they're throwing fireworks, whatever. Had seen a lot of gunfire, so it, it, it becomes apparent that they're not necessarily a well-armed militia that's ready for a gunfight when they first approach an area like that. 
maybe they'll get to that point. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem like a good idea. So anyway, the point of that is that's where we're at now. It's not just the big cities. It's not just New York. It's not just Minneapolis. It's not just, you know, L.A. and, and, and other cities in California. It is now places like Birmingham, Alabama. And it's making people a little nervous. It is. Now, hold on. I don't use a Yeti often. It's, it's an Ozark truck. Excuse me, it's not a Yeti. I don't use this often, but when I do, I try to make a show of it. You know, be real dramatic. As to say, hey, y'all, look at me. I'm, I'm drinking out of one of these cups like the rest of y'all. So, again, that's where we're at. It was something that we all, I think in this area, hated to see. Uh, there's a lot of different emotions. I've talked to multiple, multiple people uh, today about how they felt about that. Some people say, man, if I was a business owner in Birmingham, I would pack up, move out, never to go back. And other people, other people say, you know, I, I, me and my family, we're not spending another dime in Birmingham because of the way the locals, local officials handled that. Other people are just nervous to go. They still love the city of Birmingham. And then some are saying, I'm not going to let these people dictate where I go or where I spend my money. And all of those are respectable viewpoints, in my opinion. What you hate to see is multiple business owners who have suffered greatly from the pandemic and from COVID-19 now be faced right as they are getting ready to open or right after they have opened, now faced with the new adversity of their building being destroyed and their inventory being cleared out by looters. People that have worked their entire lives to build a business, go into business with something that they're very passionate about, have it taken away, even if temporarily, in the blink of an eye. All because a protest went haywire. Now, I'm not going to put 100% of the blame on the Birmingham city officials but i'm going to give them 80 to 90 percent because that was a poor performance from them even though they were caught flat-footed i feel like i feel like that's part of it that that was no excuse because for a week we had been watching these things happen across the country now i'm from the camp that i thought maybe that would never happen here but it did so i was surprised but I'm also not in charge of the city of Birmingham. If I were, I think I would have been a little more prepared and a little bit more proactive in the event that something like that happened. I think, and we'll find out tonight, you can prevent this stuff from happening by simply imp implementing a curfew. Because here's how this thing goes. It starts as a protest, a peaceful protest. Well, you know, and when I say peaceful, I mean, you know, it's usually loud and a lot of curse words, a lot, a lot of nasty talk, and even some very hostile language. But it's peaceful, and it is, it is built on what this country stands for, the freedom to protest. That's what it always starts off as. But then it turns into rocks being thrown at police. Then it turns to rocks being thrown through windows. Then it turns into people going inside those windows. And then the next step is 
the buildings are then on fire. It never starts as a group of people driving into town, whether they're bussed in or they drove in on their own, jumping out of said vehicle and then commencing to, to the riot. It never happens that way. It always starts as the protest where you've got a mix of good people and bad people. The bad people are just hanging out with the good people long enough where they can get this started and do it amongst a crowd of people where they have the the least likely chance that they get in trouble so they can get away with it. Put in a curfew, it then stops the people from getting to that point. So I think that's a good idea. Will that work? We don't know. As of the time we are doing this podcast, Birmingham has implemented a 7 o'clock curfew. That goes down in 15 minutes. And even in the city that we broadcast from, right outside of Birmingham, about 10, 15 minutes outside of downtown, we as well, we have a 7 o'clock curfew implemented. Because our name was on that list by Carlos Anger that they wanted to protest at. That stops it, because as soon as you see people out, you're not giving them the ability to protest, or block streets, or stand arm in arm and facing off with the cops until tensions flare and stuff starts getting thrown. You say, here's the deal. If you're out, you're going to get hemmed up, you're going to get the chrome bracelets, and you're going to go down to the city jail for the night. Simple as that. That will stop a protest. So again, we will see what happens. But last night, if you didn't witness it, and, and I almost wish that I could play you guys some of the audio from from what went down, but I think I'm going to spare you. Most of you have either heard it, seen it, or can look it up on social media. It's just really nasty language. There were reporters attacked... There were innocent protesters that were hurt. And it was just a, a a madhouse. It was a scary thing to watch. Uh, there's one video on Twitter where an AL.com reporter, uh, there's a lady reporting, and I can't remember her name, Madison something, or, or the, the guy's name was Madison, and then there's another lady, whatever. She has a bottle thrown at her. She yells, she looks back, and... Her cameraman or security guy or whoever the guy is with her is being attacked by one of these protesters. And he's got his fist up and he knocks him to the ground and he as well as a few other people start kicking this dude while he's on the ground. He gets hurt. They finally get out of there. It was just really hard to watch. Now for me, I had to be up at 4.30 this morning. And I couldn't go to sleep until like 2 o'clock because I was locked into this thing. I had to see what was next. And it it was uh, it was a very difficult thing to watch. You started off at Lynn Park, where, and I know I'm I'm talking about this to some of you guys who know the area well, but this is mostly for people outside of the area. You've got some Confederate monuments that have been there for a long, long time, and they they have been a source of controversy. On numerous occasions, usually related to national race issues, such as the one we're dealing with now with Mr. Floyd. This park, this Lynn Park, is where 
the protest started yesterday, and it was peaceful. And then you had a guy get up and 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 hold a uh, give a speech, which was a very passionate speech. It was a very direct speech, and, and, and in generalities, it, it almost without directly saying "Let's get crazy, let's get crunk, let's get violent," he really led people in that direction. And the ultimate message was, hey, we're here to tear these statues down. So y'all get creative and let's figure out how to knock this thing down. That guy, his name is Jermaine Funnyman Johnson. And he is a pretty well-known guy in this area because he does YouTube videos mimicking how Alabama Crimson Tide football fans watched the game that particular week. He does these videos during football season. In my opinion, they're not funny, and they've never been funny, but for some reason he had been able to gain some clout and, and a following because people liked the videos, even though they were incredibly stupid. Now, you have a lot of people. This guy has a lot of people from all different backgrounds, all different political backgrounds, race, genders, whatever, that follow him and that really like his content. He decided last night he was going to put the kibosh on that because he feels, I'm, I'm assuming, I haven't heard this from him, but I'm assuming he feels like he has a higher calling. And I got to believe that he knew by doing what he did and, and, and the result he got from the speech he gave was ultimately going to cost him his career. Now, I don't know that he made a lot of money off that. He may have. I knew he did comedy tours and all kind of stuff. It turned, it went from those videos to a stand-up deal, whatever. But he has a, a effectively axed his, his career as he's known it. With the videos and the comedy tour, because people are basically saying, okay, here's the deal. We get your passion, whatever, even though we don't agree with the way you went about it. But we, we were watching you because of football. We were watching you because you gave a funny spin on how we act when we watch football. Now we're seeing another side of you that we know is going to end up bleeding into the videos that we used to love. And we're going to be done with it. And that's perfectly fine if you do or if you want to stick with him because of that. That's the free market. I'm just stating the way I watched it unfold with the people that follow him and enjoy his videos. I got to believe that he knew that was going to happen and he went ahead and did what he did anyway. Now, again, it's important to stress that I saw no violent acts coming from him. I, I didn't even see any sort of destruction of property happen by his hands. But he most certainly promoted destruction of property in a very passionate way. And that made a lot of people angry. So, hopefully his new form of activism puts food on his table. I will commend the guy for being passionate about what he believes in. We'll never take that away from anybody. But sometimes you can be so passionate about something you don't think clearly and you go about it the wrong way. And I think that's maybe what this guy's doing. I don't know. I don't know him personally. 
So I can't really say. Nonetheless, I'm not saying he started the protest, but he definitely got it fired up that ended up leading it into bad places with what we saw in Birmingham tonight. Uh, uh, last night, excuse me. Now tonight, June the 1st, 2020, we will probably see more protests across the country because most, I'll say most, I, I'm trying to be careful about how I do this. A lot of the protesters, I don't think, know what they want. And those that do actually want different things within the, the protesters and the rioters. Those are two different people, by the way. Okay? There are some that don't know what they want. There are some that do know what they want, which is harsher charges on the police officer that kneeled on Mr. Floyd's neck, as well as the other police officers that stand, stood there and allowed it to happen. And then there are people that just want to cause chaos and destroy property and promote an, an, an anarchist society with no police, no rules, no nothing. The, the, the latter is obvious why that's a bad idea. I don't have to explain that to you. But the people that want harsher charges on this cop don't know what they're asking for. If they want to get gung-ho and off the top charge this cop with first-degree murder, they are, 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 are jeopardizing in a tremendous way this officer's conviction. He can get convicted of first-degree murder. But if you go there, if you go into the grand jury and into the courtroom with all your eggs in one basket and it doesn't work out, then you're left with nothing. You're not left with nothing but a, a, a police officer that is now a free man. And what, are the, what do these protests, what do these riots look like at that point? What does your city and your state look like at that point? What are the suburbs around your cities look like at that point? That's a question these protesters want to ask themselves. Unfortunately, we're at such an emotional high point that there's not a lot of listening and there's way too much talking. Listening needs to be key right now. And there's some people out there that get it. There's a lot of police officers out there that get it. I'm watching clips as we speak of police officers across the country in, in different cities going to protesters that are very hostile. They're not happy. They've expressed that they hate cops. Some of them hate some cops. Some of them hate all cops. And they're saying, hey, I just want to come out here and I want to listen to what you have to say. I don't want to come out here and tell you what you need to do or that you need to disperse. I want to take these few minutes, this half hour, this whatever, and I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me your opinion on this and, and tell me what you think we should and could change, and then I'll do the footwork and see if we can make those changes. That's big, and that is something that we didn't really see the last few times we went through protests like this, we dealt with multiple of these outbreaks across the country of, of protests slash riots 
during the Obama administration, as you most likely recall. We didn't see this. And that's the ingenuity, and that's the creativity that helps us get to a point where we can solve some of this stuff. Don't just get in there and do the same old stuff. That's what the protesters are doing. That's what the rioters are doing. They're doing the same old stuff. And I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying my best to separate the protesters and the rioters. I'm just making that clear. Those are two separate groups of people. They just happen to be in the same place at the same time. But the rioters and the looters, they're doing the same thing they've always been doing. The cops and the people that are trying to defend our safety, our streets, they're doing things different. They want to see change because this is a different situation. This is a situation where we're all on the same page. We all agree that this cop did a very bad thing and was in the wrong Yet, the people on the side of the cops are bad, and this happens too often, which one time is too often, but this, that this happens all the time. The people on that side, they seem to feel that the others still don't get it. This is different because we all agree on this instance. If you go back to three or four murders between African Americans and police, there are going to be some disagreements. There are going to be disagreements on the facts of the case and what happened. But we have to meet in the middle and then move forward. You can't I feel like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not trying to be PC here, but I'm trying to walk a fine line and still tell you guys how I truly feel. The way you have to do it is listen. Less talking, more listening. I saw so many people, and I've got a lot of people in my life that are on the left. A lot of them responded to someone like me who says, Yeah. That cop was obviously in the wrong. George Floyd should still be alive today. Instead of saying, oh, good, we're on the same page. Let's talk about a solution to fix this. Instead of that response, the response I got was, well, now that you're admitting that you have white privilege and that racism is embedded in your DNA and that that it comes out sometimes and that, that this whole country, as of today, is still built on and runs on racism... Now let's talk about how to fix that. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. I said the cop killed George Floyd. I, I didn't say that I was racist. I didn't, I didn't admit to you that I've been racist this whole time and I've just been hiding it and I'm finally confessing my sins. <laughs> that's, that's not what this is. I'm not admitting that I've had white privilege this whole time and that's why I, I haven't been killed by a cop. That is an instance of too much talking and not enough listening. And that's where we're at. we got to find that middle ground. Otherwise, we're going to be repeating this over and over and over again. But we have to calm the people down. 
protesters, rioters, whatever. That has to be solved. It's why you see the president so aggressively going after this right now. Because he knows we can't get to the solution while a group like Antifa and, and, and groups of anarchists are in the way. They are stopping nego- negotiations. They are stopping talks. They don't want talks. They want death and destruction. That's it. They don't want a solution. They want you to move out of the way and let them do their thing and change the face of society. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Hopefully, I'll have a guest. If not, we'll go a little further with this. I'll give you the president's short speech in the Rose Garden and much more on this edition of Over the Line, June the 1st, 2020. Y'all hang tight. Over the line, Andrew McLean, June the 1st, 2020, all about race relations today. So glad you're joining us, whether you're joining us live or you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any of the other many platforms we have. Uh, earlier today, Actually, this afternoon, approximately an hour before the, the, the show got kicked off, the podcast got kicked off here, the president was in the Rose Garden, and he wanted to make some statements about what exactly is going on in our streets. I have yet to hear it, but I know it is worth playing for you guys if you haven't, because I've been having this discussion with Trish about the president just not laying it out there and saying, hey, we're going to have a presser. We're going to have an address from the Oval Office or from the Rose Garden, and I'm just going to say it like it is about this situation, how horrible it was. Mr. Floyd died in the hands of police custody, and that that has got to stop as well as the violence in the streets have to stop. People are getting hurt. Businesses are being destroyed. Livelihoods are being destroyed. And we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic during all this this is not the time to be doing this nonsense it's just not and again as i said before the break as long as this stuff is going on we're not going to be able to find a solution we're not going to be able to find a solution to this here's the president from earlier today in the rose garden at the White House. My fellow Americans, my first and highest duty as president is to defend our great country and the American people. I swore an oath to uphold the laws of our nation, and that is exactly what I will do. All Americans were rightly sickened and revolted by the brutal death of George Floyd. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. 
But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. The biggest victims of the rioting are peace-loving citizens in our poorest communities. And as their president, I will fight to keep them safe. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. But in recent days, our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents. Innocent people have been savagely beaten, like the young man in Dallas, Texas, who was left dying on the street, or the woman in upstate New York, viciously attacked by dangerous thugs. Small business owners have seen their dreams utterly destroyed. New York's finest have been hit in the face with bricks. Brave nurses who have battled the virus are afraid to leave their homes. A police precinct has been overrun here in the nation's capital. The Lincoln Memorial and the World War II Memorial have been vandalized. One of our most historic churches was set ablaze. A federal officer in California, an African-American enforcement hero, was shot and killed. These are not acts of peaceful protest. These are acts of domestic terror. The destruction of innocent life and the spilling of innocent blood is an offense to humanity and a crime against God. America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy. Healing, not hatred. Justice, not chaos. This is our mission, and we will succeed. 100 percent, we will succeed. Our country always wins. That is why I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Therefore, the following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. What happened in this city last night was a total disgrace. As we speak,
I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers, military personnel, and law enforcement officers vandalism, assaults, and the wanton destruction of property. We are putting everybody on warning. Our 7 o'clock curfew will be strictly enforced. Those who threaten innocent life and property will be arrested, detained, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I want the organizers of this terror to be on notice that you will face severe criminal penalties and lengthy sentences in jail. This includes Antifa and others who are leading instigators of this violence. One law and order, and that is what it is. One law. We have one beautiful law. And once that is restored and fully restored, we will help you, we will help your business, and we will help your family. America is founded upon the rule of law. It is the foundation of our prosperity, our freedom, and our very way of life. But where there is no law, there is no opportunity. Where there is no justice, there is no liberty. Where there is no safety, there is no future. We must never give in to anger or hatred. If malice or violence reigns, then none of us is free. I take these actions today with firm resolve and with a true and passionate love for our country. By far, our greatest days lie ahead. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to pay my respects to a very, very special place. Thank you very much. That is it for the president. He was in the Rose Garden earlier today, and uh, that's what he said. He laid out some new ground rules that are going to be uh, implemented during this time, and it's just it's what's got to happen. That's it. So that's uh, his speech from earlier today. We actually... We'll be talking more about that tomorrow if, again, depending on when you're listening to this, when we're on uh, Talk 99.5 tomorrow morning and the rest of the week from 6 to 10 a.m. And it's going to be a good time, so make sure you tune in. And while uh, I'm talking about that, I actually have my co-host, I guess I'm her co-host, on the line. It is the one and only Andrea Lindenberg. Andrea, how are you, ma'am? Finally sitting out on my back porch, chilling out just a little bit, watching uh, online Birmingham police officers arrest curfew breakers downtown. I mean, y'all, they warned you. They said it was coming, and they got a whole bunch of people lined up, putting them in the back of a van and taking them to jail. Hopefully, that in in that group of people, those are some of the, the perpetrators from last night. I'm, I'm pulling it up now to watch the same thing you're watching. Um that's a good thing, and, and and this is something we we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. One of the one of the most effective ways, at least as of right now, until we got some time to be a little more creative, is to implement a curfew because these riots start within the protest, so they don't they don't just show up and immediately start rioting. They they do the peaceful protest, they hang out within that group, and then. 
once you know the sun goes down and nightfall is here that's when they start getting wild well if you implement that curfew you start slapping the bracelets on them before they can even get to that point then problem solved right yeah, I mean, I think that's a step that needed to be taken, and I was very frustrated with the lack of show of force last night for these folks um, and giving them, quote, I mean, this isn't a quote from anyone in Birmingham, but the quote we've heard before in these riots, particularly in Baltimore, when the mayor there said, give them room to destroy. Um, and so tonight, if you start off hardcore, the way it's going to be, this is the lay of the land, and that sets the tone for the rest of the night, because let's face it, there was a lot of back-talking this morning from uh, Jermaine Johnson, the the apparent leader of the group in Lynn Park last night, he wanted to use words not anger but frustrated people. He said it was a peaceful protest. He didn't encourage anyone to tear anything down. We heard what he said last night. Oh, right. We heard when he said, I'm not telling anyone to go to Lynn Park at 730. We know this is double talk, right? Um, the mayor should have acted swiftly last night. They should have prevented those businesses uh, from being looted and burned and destroyed. And, and I'll give you more information on uh, one family that lost their business last night. They should have stopped it before people got hurt and people got hurt. They were the very people out there trying to tell the story. Local journalists were hurt and bloodied. This should have stopped. It should have stopped last night. I am thankful, however, though, that the police chief and the mayor at least, yes, it's a day late, but they came out today and said, this is where we're, you and I heard it live together. And I was glad, a bit surprised that they said, this is what we're doing tonight. Because mm -hmm. they could have given it more room. They could have given them more room to breathe and destroy, but they chose not to. Um, and, and, and they're down there now putting them in cuffs and taking them away. Leadership in Birmingham was absolutely weak last night. There, there's, there's no excuses that can be made. I'm glad to see them, uh, as you said, make the right move tonight. And, and there's more moves to be made. A curfew is not going to solve this problem. But it gives them, it gives uh, us average citizens and uh, city officials and even police a little time to breathe, time to regroup, and time to come up with a strategy. And it wasn't like Mayor Woodfin didn't realize that this stuff was happening all over the country. Could he have been surprised it happened in Birmingham? Of course, because I was surprised as well. I didn't think we would see that within our state borders, but we did, and they should have still had a plan in place tonight could have been much worse so just like we'll criticize him for last night we're going to give him props for tonight in right, in making right. the right move and as far as jermaine formerly funny man uh yeah, johnson no longer funny yeah. no longer funny and in my opinion i talked to you about this this morning i never thought the guy was funny and i know people are going to say oh andrew that's because you're a tennessee fan you didn't like it but no, well, it's I'm just... an Auburn person, but I think funny is funny, and I, you know, I thought it was amusing, but I thought maybe it had more humor if you were an Alabama fan. I don't know. Uh, you know it's it just it wasn't a vital mm, part of my life. No, it was not um, funny. It, it was funny for like one or two weeks, and then it was just the same shtick, and it wasn't funny. But he came out last night, and he he had to have known, with the diverse audience he has where people are not going to agree with the way he went about that. Forget the overall message or the underlying message, if you will. It's the way you went about it. You're telling people, get creative because we're about to tear this thing down. Like A lot of people don't agree with that, whether you agree with the monument itself or not. 
We don't agree with the way you went about it. So he had to have known, like most of us with two eyeballs, saw that he was sacrificing his career or his bread and butter for this cause that he's apparently passionate about, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much, how, if you can make a living off of uh, uh, civil unrest, but um, yeah, more power to you. Add, add to your resume, see how far that takes you. <laughs> you just left the world of comedy, or you're you're now ca- casting to a, a more narrow audience at the very least. And I'll tell you something else, and you and I in the morning are going to talk to a couple. They're apparently just amazing people. Um, the Delgados, Luis and Samantha, husband and wife. They have four kids. As a matter of fact, have a have a young one. I think about a year old is their youngest. And their restaurant downtown was called Miami Fusion Cafe. Apparently mm-hmm. very popular. I'm familiar. Um, you're familiar. They had a food truck. Now, the restaurant has been shut down during COVID-19, uh, you know, that whole thing. So they're trying to raise a family of six together. They got their food truck out. Let me tell you about the Delgados. They look at their food as a mission. They will feed. If you don't have money to buy food, they'll give it to you. If you can't get to the food truck or the restaurant, they'll bring it to you. They minister to the homeless in Birmingham. They minister to people who are struggling with addiction in Birmingham. They've been through a lot themselves, and they are in Birmingham. This isn't just – I mean, we love our restaurant owners, but these folks – minister to people in need who need to hear the word of god and need to hear hope and their restaurant last night andrew was destroyed by 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 domestic terrorists now you tell me and i don't i i I love birmingham police department i i love my i love my home city and i consider birmingham my hometown i don't live in the city limits anymore but i love birmingham but i will tell you something Last night, whether it was the mayor or whomever or the circumstances or not enough police officers to do, I don't know the circumstances, but winners were chosen and and losers were chosen. The rioters were protected. Ultimately, I mean, tell me I'm wrong. The rioters were given the space to do what they needed to do and what they wanted to do. Right. And the the Delgados were the losers. They were not protected. Much like many people said Governor Kay Ivey chose winners and losers in the business realm during COVID-19. Last night, the city of Birmingham, whether the consciously, subconsciously, or unconsciously, they did not protect families like the Delgados. The Delgados now have no restaurant. They still have their food truck. There's a GoFundMe page. They have employees that they now can't give a paycheck to at the moment. We'll talk to them in the morning at 7 a.m. But they were chosen as the sacrificial lambs in all of this while the uh, the domestic terrorists were given free reign. And that makes me so mad I spit nails that my hometown, whether they meant to or not, they chose winners and losers. And a family trying to minister to the homeless population and the addicted population were the losers last night. A town they had given so much to took all of that away from them and you know i I say that in the sense of wherever the people are from there there were plenty of people from birmingham in that group i I don't think you're gonna be able to tell me no all those people are out of out of state or out of town agitators right it's not true at all I, i would not be surprised if there were out of town agitators but i would venture to say that a majority of those people were from the area because you could even hear uh jermaine calling out people individually about where they're from and he's saying man people are driven everywhere from montgomery from arab north alabama so we we knew for a fact that there were people out there from birmingham or this state so for a, a, a couple 
or a family to give so much to this city and then that same city take it away from them is absolutely horrible and and i at one time when i first got kicked out of the radio business i was doing food delivery stuff and i didn't even know that that restaurant existed until i had an order i had to pick up over there and and i did that several times and they were just the nicest it does absolutely the nicest people i'd ever met you know even though i was only interacting with them for about five minutes waiting on the food they they made me feel welcome they treated me as if i were spending my money in there when really i was picking up somebody else's food right and just genuine people i found out that um i uh, i was on with leland and aj just a moment ago to kind of push people toward that interview tomorrow and um aj said oh my goodness they catered my wedding and let me tell you, AJ and his beautiful bride had some good food at that wedding, and Samantha apparently was pregnant during all of that. And we all went, no way, that was the same couple. Um, they're well-loved in this community, and we need to show them some love because there's no doubt they're confused and hurting. I mean, remember when we were in the nightmare of COVID-19 and people were losing businesses and restaurants were suffering, and they just get the doors back open, mm-hmm. and now this. They and fought tooth and nail a, to stay alive through no, all no, of that. The, pe- the people who would destroy that restaurant are the same type of people who would set a church on fire in Washington, D.C. You set a church on fire, there's a special place. If you don't get your, your act straight, there's a special place in hell for you. You set a church on fire. There is no and, doubt. And Andrew, did you see the president walk out the front door of the White House and walk down the street where there are protesters and rioters? And no. He walked over to that church like a boss he did. Yeah, that just happened not too long ago. I knew you would love it, so you need to go find that video. I've shared it on my Facebook page, too. It's it's pretty spectacular. I ain't gonna lie. I'm gonna check that out. Now, before I let you go, because there may be people that are listening to this podcast that don't get to hear our show tomorrow morning when we actually talk to this family, do you have the information on the GoFundMe and all that already? Yeah, you know what? Um, hang on, if you can, I'm gonna put you on speaker. I know that takes away from the quality. Just now, this a is bit. this is not professional terrestrial radio. This is oh, a podcast, on you. Because I was waiting for you to tell me we had to go to a commercial break. I love, <laughs> I, I love it. I love. Here's I what love I did. It. This is actually the first time I did this. I did like a little fake commercial break just so I could like kick back for a minute. Just make you make you, like you go to the restaurant. <laughs> right, right. Snack, sandwich, whatever it is you got to do. Um, yes, the GoFundMe is Miami Fusion. It's long, but just just hear me out. Miami Fusion Cafe Riot Recovery. Okay. So if you go to GoFundMe and type in Miami Fusion Cafe mm-hmm. or Cape, as I like to say, because that makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> Miami Fusion, and you'll find it. Um, I, I just. It's it's the story. I, you know, this morning when I was getting ready for our show, I watched an interview on Fox News. A Minneapolis couple, uh, they had a historic restaurant that was burned the first night. They boarded it up. They got a, a group to come in and start cleaning it up. And then the next night, the looters and rioters came back and, and officially finished the restaurant off. And, and these are people who were already struggling to pay their staff members. And, and now this. These are the stories that we need to be reminded of. Um, and just like George Floyd's story, um, the the Delgados are victims in all of this too, and this has got to stop because you're hardening mm-hmm. our hearts from listening uh, to the original message with all this violence in our faces. That's it, and it's as we said earlier, there 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 has to be less talking and more listening 
but there will be no talking and no listening while rioters are standing in the middle. No. And that's what's you happening right now. Yeah, you can't hear the conversation over the shattering glass and the burning lives. You can't hear it. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. So what we'll do uh, tomorrow morning, which uh, as of this podcast will be June the 2nd, 2020. If you will listen to Talk 99.5, if you're in the Birmingham area, it's 99.5 on your dial. If not, talk995.com. You can listen to us online. Also, the the shows on that station get archived. You're able to go back and listen yeah, to that we'll in a podcast form as well. But we will, for those that listen to Over the Line, we will also share that information on our social media so people can easily access that. And if they have it in their heart to give... Uh, to this family, sure. you know, because there there are some businesses over there that were hit that are going to be able to recover pretty easily. Right. When you're talking about the banks and stuff like that, doesn't yeah, and it, Alabama Power and all of those. It They've doesn't got, take yeah. away from the crimes that were committed, but as far as getting back on their feet, that's that's nothing for them. For this family that has done so much for this city, it's a completely different story. So that's why it's important that you and I get their message out and yep. get the information to the people. So I'm excited about tomorrow. We're going to have fun, even though are yeah, we, we are. Um, have we decided if we're doing it in our respective houses? or? Yeah, we are. You get to stay there. I successfully set up my uh, in-home studio. We are good to go. And I have a snake story I need to tell No. Um, yeah, that's no. always fun. Um, that's always a good time, but I just want to tell you, I'm proud to have you as a colleague and a friend and let's get at it this week. Let's tell the story. Let's, let's, uh, you know, give people a voice. Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. Ani, thank you. And I will talk to you in the morning, my friend. All right. Bright and early. See you then. There you go. Andrea Lindenberg, the famous Andrea Lindenberg from the Matt and Ani show. She is, uh, she's got a very storied career as well. If you've ever followed her, she's from the news realm. We'll know where that came from. She's from the news realm. She's um, she's done a lot of media. She's covered a lot of things, and and now her her journey's taken her to radio, where she resides at 99.5. So I'm excited to be with her tomorrow. Make sure you tune in. If you miss it, you can go to talk995.com, listen to the uh, the podcast form of that, or um, we may play a little bit of it on here. Who knows? If I don't get in trouble. But that's it for this edition of Over the Line. Thank you guys so much for all your support. If you listened to this on any of the podcast platforms, do me a favor. Copy that link. Share it on your social media. Tell people, hey, check this out. If you think it sucks, that's okay. But at least try it. It's like I tell my kid, as far as sports go, because we're getting into that, that age where... We're trying to figure out which sports we like the best. And I tell him, I'm like, hey, I would rather you try every sport one time and not like them than to never try them at all and never know if you would have liked them. I feel the same way about this show. I don't, <laughs> horrible analogy. But just try it. Over the line on Facebook, Andrew McLean on Andrew McLean Who on Twitter. And uh, all the other stuff. You can find me. Until next time, see you, cool.